Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So how are you all doing? Good. I have a friend sitting next to me. Did you notice that? Okay. Well, I'll tell you in a second. This is um, Clark Kent. No, Kent Frankie. (laughs) So we've been talking about prayer for the last few weeks, right? Say yes. Yes. Just pull the cord on the back when you want me to say something. (laughs) Yes. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer. We use this phrase, the prayer-empowered life. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't introduce myself yet. If you haven't met me, my name is Ron, and I get to be one of the pastors here, and it's a joy. And um, so we're going to be talking again about prayer. I just wanted to remind us of um, four things, four principles in prayer that we talked about in the last few weeks. I'm, I'm in the job of making disciples. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> so are you. And one of the things that we're learning is that, a, that prayer is a huge part of a disciple's life. Disciple just means an apprentice of Jesus, someone who's learning everything that Jesus taught, the first disciples. So here's four things that we said that I think are just worth repeating. One is that prayer changes history. And we read some stories about that, but literally, our prayers change history. So they're important, they're effective, they're a big part of God's plan for renewing this whole planet. I don't know if you knew that. Some people think God may have walked away and forgot about the planet, but he didn't. He actually sent his only son to save the planet and all the people. And he's in the process of renewing the mess that we made. And one day, Jesus will return to this planet. And he will set up his kingdom completely. His kingdom is here now in, in um, well, it's better than a sample at Costco. It is a taste. It's kind of the language of the Bible, but it's more than just a taste. His kingdom's here, and he's in the process of renewing it, and he will one day completely renew it. So we said that prayer changes the course of history. A second thing is that sometimes we need to persevere in prayer because the answer is delayed. And God in his sovereignty has decided that he would partner with people like you and me, inviting us to ask him to do the things that are already in his heart to do. Sometimes there's a lot of pieces in play that need to move, a lot of situations that need to happen for an answer to come. And he invites us to persevere. There are stories of people that prayed for decades continually pounding on the doors of heaven until the thing that they're certain that God said, this is what I want you to do, this is what I want to do, so pray for it, come about. So persevering in prayer is huge. A third principle we talked about was that weird word importunity, which I think was new to a lot of us, um, importunate. It means to be shamelessly bold, to forget about propriety, to forget about being polite, but at times to really almost rudely approach God and say, we need you to do something. And Jesus gave stories, gave us stories about people doing just that and said, that's how you should come and pray. So the fourth thing was that, it kind of overlays all of those, but that prayer is not only effective, prayer is effective, things happen when we pray, But sometimes it's absolutely necessary. And that was kind of a twist for my thinking. That there are times that God has determined that he will not act until his people pray. So there's things that he wants to do that will not get done until his people begin praying for him. Isn't that a remarkable statement? There's several stories in the Bible where we see that there were things that did not happen until God's people prayed. So it's very important that we get a hold of this, hearing the heart of God, Um, and praying for the things of God that he wants to see happen. Um, Just a question for you. Does anyone feel like you should pray more? Yeah, I I think that would be a common thing among Christians. Yeah, I really ought to pray more. And 
usually that, when I hear that answer, it doesn't sound very um, exciting and encouraging. It sounds more like discouraging and defeated. You hear something like, yeah, we should pray without ceasing. And you're like, yeah, right, whatever that means. That must be for um, people that do nothing but pray. <laughs> and you might feel discouraged. Does anyone ever feel discouraged about prayer? Yeah. So I don't think that's the point, and I don't want to discourage any of us. What I want to do, and I think what's in the Word, is to motivate us. And I'm going to read a very short passage of Scripture. I'm listening to the words of Jesus. I was thinking, well, how should we learn about prayer? Let's go see what Jesus taught about prayer. So we're going to look at one passage today. Um, and I think it will give us some pretty simple things that we can do as a part of praying, as part of becoming people of prayer. And then I was also thinking about regular people I know who seem to have a prayer life that gets things done. And I thought, maybe I'll call one of them up, and that's why Ken's here, and um, ask them, well, what is it that you do? So one of the things I know about Kent that you, you might not realize, you know that you see him about once a month leading worship for our congregation. Um, what you might not realize is that he doesn't just kind of pick some songs to lead us in singing. He has this thought that he's doing something with God, so he goes and spends time seeking God for answers for what he should do when he's going to lead us. I, I know this about him because I have the conversation once a month when he tells us what the answer was. And uh, one of the definitions of prayer that I like um, is from Dallas Willard, where he says, prayer is simply talking to God about what we're doing together. You like that? Talking to God about what we're doing together. And I know one of the things Kent does with the Lord is help people worship the Lord. So he asked the Lord to answer a particular request every month or more. Maybe it's every week because he leads worship in other contexts too. And I know that he gets answers. Wouldn't you like to know how someone does that? Well, let's ask him. Kent, how do you do that? <laughs> so so t just tell us about this process and what goes on. Okay. Uh, I, I think before I just trot out this little exercise that the Lord's given me to do to seek him, I have to start with the fact that nobody is more aware of my sinfulness in this room than me. Not even Susan? No, maybe. She gets <laughs> close. <clears throat> but um, so when I approach the Lord, uh, it is only through the blood of Jesus and uh, I rely on the reconciled relationship that I have with the Father as described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, that because of Christ's death on the cross and his blood, I can go directly to the Father, not in my own righteousness, which I have none, and, uh, but through his grace. And so I, I kind of remind myself of that because if you're serious about approaching the Lord, and I know most of us are here, if not all of us, Usually the first thing that happens as I pursue the Lord is I start to realize just how sinful I am. Mm. <laughs> so I rely on that, and then I follow that up with scriptures in the Word. So Romans 5.1 says that we have peace with God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's not mad at us. I used to think, he, even as a Christian, I used to think he just had this low-level resentment against me because I just couldn't meet his standards. You know? and, and I know mm. I, a lot of us share that feeling. And then first, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse uh, 6, says, we are accepted in the beloved. So I just use those as a foundation to remind myself that I can go and approach him in, in prayer. Um, I do this both when I'm seeking the Lord for a set list and exhortations during worship, which I always try to see if the Lord would like to speak to us as we worship. And also I, do a, I teach a Bible study out at Camp Pendleton to recruits going through boot camp once or twice a month. And any other time I'm called upon to teach or facilitate a Bible study, I try to approach the Lord in advance and, um, and ask him for help. And so um, faith is a really important component of prayer. And so one of the ways I stir up my faith before I approach this, after recognizing that I'm allowed to be in his presence through the blood of Jesus, is uh, there's a couple of promises. There's many, actually, but I'll just give us two that I use to springboard off in my prayers. 
And the first one is uh, in uh, John chapter 16, and it's uh, verses 23, 24. This should sound familiar. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. So part of the reason, part of the motivation for the Lord to answer these prayers is he wants our joy to be made full. How cool mm, is that? That's awesome. <laughs> so already I'm thinking the Lord is listening. You know, he wants me to ask whatever it is I'm going to ask. And the other thing is uh, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if any man let, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives freely and without reproach, which means he won't make fun of us for not knowing what we need to ask him for, huh. which I think is cool too. <laughs> so using those two promises, <clears throat> I seek the Lord in the in the... And the prayer that I, kind of general prayer that I use is I just say, Lord, this is the upcoming event. Uh, I know you have a purpose in it. So would you please give me uh, some words and help to speak them so that your Holy Spirit can take the words that you give me and implant them in the hearts and the minds of the, my brothers and sisters who will be participating in the event. And um, once I prayed that prayer, then... I start looking in the inbox to see. <laughs> and the best way I can describe So expectancy is a really important part of an expression of our faith. So, um, so when, you do, when you file your taxes and you turn in your tax return, and, and if you work for somebody, you, know, you get a check at the end of the year, uh, it's really your own money that they've overtaken all year long. And, <laughs> and we think it's a, you know, like I'm getting a check from the government. And it is. So you file your taxes, and then within a week or two, you start hawking the mailbox. Like every day, you're checking them. You roll up, you know, before you even go in the house, you check the mailbox because you know there's something coming. Uh -huh. Well, that's, that's the kind of expectancy that the Lord wants us to have when we pray. That's so good. So what I start to do after, and I've got, you know, I don't give him a lot of time. I, it's like usually a week or week and a half. <laughs> hate to put God on the clock. Because he is eternal, so um, that could, anyways. So what I do is I just start to evaluate every day everything that comes in over the transom into my life with, through the eyes of faith. Is this the Lord speaking to me? Is this the Lord speaking to me? And most of us have some form of daily devotional. A lot of us get stuff, just little text messages. I know a lot of people get, are on like text chains where you get a text message, a little daily scripture every day. Or maybe it's, I have an email thing with uh, John Piper. I get something from John Piper every day, and it's a little two, three-paragraph exhortation tied to a scripture. And so I'll pay particular attention to stuff like that, or my own personal Bible reading. I'll pay, pay particular attention to see if something pings, and I'm thinking maybe this is that answer that, you know, God's got five and a half days to get to me, <laughs> so that I've got some form of exhortation or a set, a set list. I'm looking for also, to, to choose songs, I'm looking for common themes that the, of all the worship songs you have to choose from. Then when I think I've got something, and a lot of times it happens during the day, I'll read some scripture or, or some little thing, some devotional, and then during the day I'll go back and meditate on it. Now, I paint houses for a living, which is mind-numbingly boring. And so I have a lot of time to think <laughs> while I'm pushing the brush. And so I'll kind of, that's, I think what the scripture refers to is meditating on the word. We just later on, like a cow, kind of choose the cud. So I've been told that's what the Hebrew version of that is, to meditate. Because you just go back over it and you think about some scripture that you've been reading. And somewhere in the course of that, something will catch my attention. If I think I've heard from the Lord, then what I do is I try to verify if it is him I try to line it up with scripture that I already know to see if the scripture that I know supports it. And this is where knowing scripture is really important. So for 50 years, I heard pastors and Bible teachers tell me, read your Bible. And did I read my Bible? No. <laughs> it was boring. I was convinced it was boring and it wasn't, you know, I've got better things to do. And I guess check off the God box. I better read the Bible at least once a week and all of that, you know. And then about 10 years ago, I started to really read it and realize how much life came out of it. So still there's days we read the Bible, 
and we come away from it and we don't really get a heavy revy out of it. We just think, well, okay, I, I, I understand what's being said here, I think, and I, I hope it helps me later. Well, the Holy Spirit files that in our memory and recalls it when we need it. That's one of his many jobs. The scripture says that. He recalls to us what Jesus tells us. And so at a later date. And so I'll take one of the things that, that, that I feel the Lord has shown me after I've prayed, and I'll begin to look for scriptures. And if I can't remember the entire scripture out of my own memory, I use Google. All you have to do is just type in two or three words out of a scripture, and up pops the scripture. And so then I, usually at that point, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is in us if we believe and God made us, so he knows how to talk. To, I tell myself this when I'm kind of fumbling. He knows how to talk to us in a way we'll hear him. And I remind myself that. I'm thinking, what if I miss it? What if he's talking and I don't understand? I think, no, he made me. He knows how to talk to me in a way I'll understand. And so um, I line it up with Scripture, and if, script, if I find Scriptures that support the thought or the principle or the exhortation that I get, then I'm pretty sure it's from the Lord and then I always give him the last editor's choice, like the morning of. I say, Lord, if you would like to edit this in any way or throw it out altogether and give me something else or nothing at all, please, you know, let your will be done. And I found over time, the more you practice that process, the more comfortable you get with it. Because the Lord really wants to talk to us. And it honors him when we come to him with an expectancy to hear from him. I've learned that. The Lord is honored, even if we're kind of fumbling at it and we're not sure, if we approach him and give him space to speak to us, we'll find out he does. That's awesome. Thank that you. That sense? That made total sense. Okay. Appreciate it. Am I done? You're done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Faithful friend. It's actually up here. Now it's off. Thanks. Very good. So you approach the Lord talking about what you're going to do together or what you're doing together. You have faith that when you ask for some direction, has anyone ever asked God for direction for something? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a common question. How do I know the will of God? And often in, for a particular thing, how do I know the will of God? And um, so Kent is asking for a very specific situation, what do you want me to do? I assume that you've asked me to do this thing that I'm doing. Um, somewhere in your life, you're doing something with God, I bet, right? Maybe you're raising kids with God. Maybe you're loving your spouse with God. Maybe you're just trying to be a really good employee. I mean, anything in your life, you do all things unto the glory of God, right? So you start out with... Just conversation, Lord, I'm doing this thing, and I'm asking you to speak to me. And then start checking the inbox. I love that part. That might be the, take the, you know, the big win. Check, check the inbox, because something's going to come to you, because God's going to answer that question. And then, next thing you know, you're hearing from God. Isn't that awesome? Very practical. Um, I'm going to read this, this verse from John chapter 15. But I want to remind us of two things that I think you probably know. And the first one is a very ancient line about your purpose in life. Maybe see if you, see if you can finish this sentence. The chief end of man is to... Can anyone finish that? The chief end of man is to... So you weren't sure, but you said the right thing. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does any, has anyone heard that? Okay, do you know where you heard that, where that came from? There you go. Did you get catechized? No, I just thought it was Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was that up there the whole time when you still didn't know how to answer it? Because <laughs> I'm going to say class. <laughs> I better sit down again. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so thanks, Matt. Thanks, Mr. Evans. Hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago, um, soon after the Reformation began, people began saying, "Well, we need to make disciples and teach people from children, but also um, people that are following Christ as adults for the first time, basics of the faith." And the first 
thing, the number one thing was to answer this question, what is the chief end of man? And the chief end of man, or your purpose, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Keep that in mind, because the scripture we're going to read is going to talk about how to do this. The second thing that you already know is that Jesus gave a mission to his first disciples before he left the earth, before he was done here physically. Remember, he you know, he walked amongst us. He taught for years. Then he went to the cross at the perfect time on the day of Passover, gave his life a sacrifice for the sins of the world, rose from the dead on the third day. He said, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. He did that. Then he hung around for another 40 days teaching, meeting with many disciples. And at the end of that, he returned to the heavenly realms. And he gave a mission that we call the Great Commission. And that was simply to make disciples, to teach people everything that he taught those first disciples. So those two things are probably good to have in mind about your life and how you spend your life. I live to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I live to make disciples, both to be a disciple and to make disciples. In that way, in that way, Jesus is in the process of healing our planet. Simply those two things. Because the making of disciples who make disciples is a self-replicating process, right? If those disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, eventually the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ as the waters cover the sea. And as people become like Jesus, follow Jesus, every social problem on the planet is solved when people act like Jesus. I don't know if you knew that, but I mean, there's no more war. There's no, there's no more divorce because people are faithful and honest and loving to each other. There's no more hurt for children. There's no, more po- there's no more people that aren't eating because people are taking care of the poor. There's, there's none of the issues we face would not be solved if we were all disciples. So anyway, we're, making, we're glorifying God and making disciples. So here is... The scripture that I'm interested in today. First, I was just, it's the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. And I think this will show up on the screen, so I'll read it, and let's read it together too. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, then it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's try that again. You ready? If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you say it a couple more times, you'll have it memorized. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, if you had, I've read the Bible a bit for my whole life, and if you had asked me, if you were to ask me, what is John 15 about, many of you like me would say, oh, that's the part about the vine and the branches, right? And I would say, yeah, you know, it's going to say that if we will remain or abide in Jesus, that we will bear much fruit. And I would probably have said, You can't help it, it's just natural. A branch in a healthy vine is going to bear fruit. If you abide in Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. That's what I would have said. I seriously missed that prayer was right in the middle of this. Like, how did I miss that? I missed that until this week. If I had, if I, I would read it, but if I were just to tell you what it said, I would say, yeah, abide in Jesus, stay intimate with Jesus, have a heart, have a life that's centered around him, and you'll bear much fruit. But Jesus actually said more than that. Do you see that there's three steps here to a fruitful life? Three steps. One, abide in me. What, what, is, what would that mean to you, to abide in Jesus? You can talk back. <laughs> to live inside, okay. What else? Abide in Jesus. To remain, that's good. What did you say, walk close? Walk close and trust him. You added trust. I like that. What else? 
hear his voice and feel his presence. I'm going to abide in Jesus. Oh, what did you say? Live him out. So abiding in Jesus is trusting him, remaining in him, I think you said. Obey, hearing his voice. So when we're abiding in Jesus, there's, I think there's intimacies involved. Um, I don't know about you, but when I want to get close to Jesus, I, I try to worship. And I find that simply singing and speaking out the wonderful attributes of God somehow awakens me to his reality. And I feel a connection and a closeness, and I feel his presence. So that's part of abiding. It also, for me, would mean to make Jesus the reference point for all of my life. Make him the reference point for all of my life. So... um, Everything I do, I want to know what would Jesus do. Maybe like this. What if Jesus were living my life, how would he live it? You know, if Jesus were a pastor, what would he be like? Or when I was a computer programmer. If Jesus were programming computers at the university, how would he do that job? You know, he was a carpenter, so he lived a life like a normal dude, but he lived it perfectly. So I'm trying to learn how would, how would he live. That's part of abiding in him. But So the second one, though, what's the second thing? Abide in me, and what's the second thing to do? My words remain in you. If you remain in me, or if you abide in me, and my words remain in you. That was all through Kent's little conversation about how he seeks God's voice. So what would it mean to you for God's word, or Jesus' word, to remain in you? silence. To live like you? Well, you'd have to know his word. There's some reading. Well, what if you don't know how to read? You can listen. But you're, you're making... Kent, what were you going to say? What, oh, you want to say something else? What? Yeah. The more of God's word I read, the bigger vocabulary I give him to speak to me. Yeah. So, The words stay stamped in your heart, Darius says. Thanks. So if I, if I abide in Jesus, that's the first. This is like there's three steps to a fruitful life. I think this is really simple, too. So I'm making him the center of my life. I have worship going. Um, I, I don't know what your routine is. When you get out of bed, do you, like, look for the coffee pot? Amen. Toilet. Okay, thank you. Well, that's actually... Come to think of it. Paul. <laughs> I guess first rule of speaking in front of people, don't ask a question if you don't already have the answer, right? We're real people. We're real, people. real God. Restoring lives. You know, I try, I've tried this recently. Before I get out of bed, when I wake up, when the alarm wakes me up, or in many of the cases when our cats wake me up, <laughs> saying it's time for you to get up, cat dad, um, I, I pause, and there's three things that go through my mind. The first is this, oh yeah, This is the day that the Lord has made. I have every reason to rejoice in it. So I tell myself that before I get up. I'm in bed. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to choose to rejoice in it. It's the most logical thing to do. And I'm kind of a logical person. I like logic. It's logical if God made this day that I ought to rejoice in it. Okay. And I think, oh, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. So this day is going to be pretty awesome. And he's going to make me lie down and rest. Wow, okay, he leads me. And then I also do that prayer that Jesus taught the people to pray. Our Father in heaven, oh, praise your name. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come today. And I kind of go through that. Then I'm ready to put my feet on the ground and go hunting, first for the bathroom and then for the coffee. (laughs) What What would that be doing? That would be part of choosing a lifestyle to remain in Jesus. I'm making him the reference point, right? So, and if my word remains in you, so somewhere in your life, if you want to have a fruitful life, 
I don't think you can get to fruitfulness without having some of Jesus' word in you. So if you were hoping a, a way, I don't know why you would, because his word's so sweet. His so, word's so good. But you've got to be around the word of God. Two things so far. If you abide in me and my words remain in you. Then here's the third thing that I always missed. Pray. Because if I'm abiding in him and his words remain in him, then the things that I'm liable to ask are going to really correspond with his heart. Because my life has been set up to harmonize with his life. Now, I don't know who all is hearing me right now, or even in my future, because I know this gets recorded on Facebook Live and people catch in later. But if, if your life is not functioning really smoothly, if it feels like a... Um, eight-cylinder car that's only having four cylinders fire. You know, if it feels rough, uh, feels like your tires are out of balance. Um, if things don't, if you keep trying and then things go wrong and life is frustrating, know this, that your life will never work out the way it was designed to work and flourish if Jesus isn't at the center. And if you don't realize that you were made by him and for him. You weren't made by you or by a cosmic accident that had no meaning. You have meaning. You were made by him and for him. And when you live by him and for him for his glory, you find your meaning for you that gives you tremendous joy and purpose. It's really important to get that. Your life will not make sense if you think it's about you seeking pleasure on your terms. It will not work. You will always run into a wall. If your life is from him and for him, you will find that he's for you more than you're for you. You'll have great love and joy and peace and hope and the good life that everyone has always hoped for. In fact, so good that circumstances, even bad circumstances, can't steal it from you. It's called the kingdom of God that rules and reigns in your life. So I love the way, I don't know who said this, but I often quote them. If you rub your hand against the grain of the universe, you're going to get slivers. Really bad slivers. And the grain of the universe is, you were created by God, for God, for his glory. So back to this, this word, if I abide in him, and his words abide in me, I can ask whatever I want. In fact, it's a command. In that case, ask. It is a command form, actually, in the original. Ask. Prayer is the third thing. Abide and have his words abide in you and now get to asking. And that's kind of an unusual thing, isn't it? Um, my heritage is from the Midwest. And, and the Midwest, for all their politeness, some people say they are very passive-aggressive. You go to the East Coast and they tell it like it is, right? You ever, met a, ever met a New Yorker? You don't have to wonder what they're thinking. But, but in the Midwest, like, you wouldn't ask for something because that might be impolite. You would passively, aggressively hint that you want something, right? But in the East Coast, you just come out and ask it, right? I want that. Give it to me. I was trying to think of an example, but seriously. Well, in God's kingdom, it is laid out like this ask. Do you, re well, you won't remember when you were this young, but think about little children who have to ask for absolutely everything. Can I have a drink? Can I eat something? Can I go outside? Can I play with my car? Can I get out of my bed? My nap's over. Don't, don't they ask for everything? Especially when they're little. I, I have a feeling that when Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you become like little children. That's related to that. He wants you to ask boldly all the time. And if you abide in Jesus, and his words abide in you, 
Then you start asking all the time for all sorts of stuff because you've discovered from abiding in him and his word abiding in you that there's all sorts of stuff he wants to do constantly. Back to that first quote, prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together. If you're abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in you, you're going to be doing stuff with him. Your life is going to be about partnering with your best friend and your boss, Jesus. Your best friend and your boss. Who's the best boss you ever had? Who has very interesting jobs for you to do. Very interesting, creative, exciting projects. We'll have this through all eternity, by the way. In a new heaven and a new earth where we will be doing the most interesting projects that we could ever think of, creating, building, making things happen with Jesus under his direction. It's good now, and it's even going to be better then. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want, and I'll do it, but be sure to ask for it. You know, we got people that are thinking, I want to go help hungry people. So you know what they do? They ask for food. And next thing you know, they've got food to give. They ask for food and they get food to give. We got people that are thinking about people that need healing in their bodies because they care for broken people. Care about broken lives that want to be restored. And that's what they're doing together. So they constantly talk with Jesus. They say, Jesus, I can't heal anybody. I've tried and nothing ever happens. But you can give me some healing. You've got to do something. And there's an aggressive, persevering, important attitude that says, do something now and stop delaying. Lord, come and help. And next thing you know, he's answering that prayer. And what's the result? It's the first thing we said. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So enjoyable to ask and have, your, have answers. It's, it's, anyone ever asked God for something and then you got the answer? What, didn't it feel good? You were enjoying God. And what does he say? Well, when you did that, that brought glory to me. And also, when you did that, you showed people you're my disciples because you were being my disciple, because you're becoming like me, and you're asking the Father in my name. He's saying yes and giving the things you're asking. And next thing you know, life is grand. That's simple. We are in a season as a church family of learning about prayer. I don't know if you've noticed that. And when I say learning about prayer, I mean we are practicing it. We're seeing answers come quickly. Um, I don't know if it will always be that way. Sometimes it won't be that way, I know, because Jesus promises. Sometimes you're going to ask me, you're going to have to keep asking and asking and asking. I'm going to see if you'll persevere. But we're in a season right now where things that we're asking for seem to be often answered before they get out of our mouth. We, uh, we, we've seen that happen. We told you some stories in recent weeks. Before the prayer was finished, the answer came. How fun is that? It's really enjoyable, too. So my desire as a pastor is to be part of a community where we are glorifying God, enjoying Him, and being disciples and making disciples. Right in the center of that whole two sentences of Jesus is asking. I am hoping that we become a people who by faith start making requests and then start checking the inbox for the answer. You know, you do it with Amazon. Don't you check? In fact, you're concerned that someone's going to steal the box if they leave it on your front door. <laughs> so you're checking for the, for the package to come. That we be a people who ask the Lord all the time for things that he wants to give us. Not passively, like, oh, I don't want to bug him. <laughs> you wouldn't mind, would you? <laughs> no, get all East Coast. We can say something, Paul? 
Inverse. Inverse. Okay, yeah. And what's that? Yeah. Oh, inverse. If you don't remain in me, and and my words do not remain in you, you can't ask whatever you wish, because it won't be given to you. The 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 opposite side. Oh, that puts a little emphasis on I I want to worship Jesus. I want to have his word abide in me. I want to ask stuff. We're going to, after we end today, which is you know coming up fast, we'll take a break. And several of us, all of us are invited, are going to come right back here. And for the fourth week, Sharon Evans is going to lead us in an hour of prayer. Uh, prayer and fasting, because we're fasting lunch, you know, if you want to. You don't have to, but denying something that God says is great to have, like food, denying yourself for a season in order to cultivate a hunger for God more than a hunger for um, burritos is a good thing. In fact, it seems to enhance the effectiveness of prayer. So I, I hope you'll join us for that. Now, um, let's wait on the Lord for a second. We're doing good on time, I think. Two things. Well, let me first just make a request to the Lord. Lord, would you let your kingdom really be upon us right now? The way Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come. Let the ruling, reigning power of the living God be upon us right now. Let your spirit be actively at work amongst us right now. Hmm. Okay, the first thing is, it's possible that there's someone here, or hearing my voice on Zoom, Facebook Live, YouTube, if it gets there down the road, and you're not yet living in harmony with the universe, which means you're not living out of relationship with your creator. You were designed to live out of relationship with your creator. And if you're not, you're missing out on the party. You're missing out on life. And it's very easy to enter. It's a simple matter of in your mind and heart choosing that you're going to get off the throne of your life and recognize Jesus, the creator, as the king, as the Lord. Often you do that by saying something to him. One of the writers of the Bible said, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. That simply. Kind of a short version. If you're here or hearing or watching, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do this. By the way, if you reject Jesus as Lord of your life, he will answer that prayer. He will stay out of your life. He'll keep bugging you as long as you have breath. But if you keep resisting him until the day you die, you'll get to go into eternity apart from God. You'll get the request of your heart. He won't deny it. I recommend not doing that. The description of that is hell, hell being completely in the darkness, away from all that is good, away from God. That would be the eternity of someone who says, no, I don't want God in my life. And he'll finally say, have it the way you want it. And we'll get our, we'll get our request. I recommend against that. You won't like the results. But if you make Jesus your, your Lord by enthroning him, you will enter into life that is life indeed. Billions of us would testify, this is the way to live. It's the only way to fly. So, if you're ready, turn to the Lord with your heart and say something like this to him. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead, proving you are God. To take away my sins, I receive your gift. And I want you to be the boss of my life. I want you to be the king. I want you to be in charge. 
I want to follow you. So please come into my life. Let the Spirit of God live in me. Amen. A prayer, a request like that is always fulfilled. If you pray like that, if you did just now, you've entered into a new life. It started. The Bible says, Jesus says, you have been born from the heavens. You've been born of the Spirit. Or simply, you've been born again. Incredible. Well, the second, the second thing I'm thinking is that um, the power of the Lord is here to bring some healing to, to broken lives and broken bodies. And I had, in particular this morning when I was praying for us, um, I had a sense of something that, that I actually almost experienced myself, could feel it. And I was telling Amy, in case it applied to her because of a, a little injury she had this week, but I had the sense of someone whose body, especially um, in their back, is having the experience you would have from some kind of trauma, like a car accident or even falling down, where things are tense and there's pain and there's inflammation. Um, not saying it's caused by an accident, but that feeling. And I had, could feel the experience of God, the Holy Spirit, embracing you, his presence, and the tension and the pain just dissolving right in a moment. Does that sound good? Is there anyone in the room with that kind of um, tension around your back? You. Would, would it be okay if we asked God to... So why don't, could, Would you mind standing up? Would that be okay? And then I'm going to ask someone to come put their hand up. And someone else, too? Back there? Is that Fiona? Yeah, would you, would, if it's okay, you don't have to, but if you wouldn't mind. Anyone else, if that's your situation, would you? Oh, back there. Oh, really, Dakota? Okay, so there's three people like that. Would some of you just go to them and just, just if it's okay, oh, ask them first if it's okay with them. If it's okay with them, put your hand just kind of gently on their back. Um, Jesus said we would lay hands on the sick, we who believe, and, and they'd be healed. Yeah. So, Lord, we, we think that you're wanting to bring um, healing and release to these bodies that are tensed up. Let the Spirit of God come upon each of them right now and free them from this pain and this tension. Let the swelling just dissolve right as we're praying right now. The inflammation go, tension go. I pray, Father, that you would let each of these people experience what you showed me this morning. Let your grace come upon them. Your grace, grace come upon them. Paul, could you, could you come up and bring anyone in the band you want to bring? I don't know if you have a song in mind, but if you don't, I'd love to sing that Blessed Be the Name of the Lord song again. Yes. Sure. Yeah, come Come here. Jump on the stage. Marty asked if she could share something. Well, okay, so they won't see you on the screen. That's why. So there's steps back here. We'll be right back. It's just nice for the people that are, that are joining us online. Take your time. This is good friend Marty. So what, what did you want to share? I, my name is Marty. I almost didn't come this morning because I was sitting there going, oh, I'm not going to go to church today. And um, as I was taking my shower, you know, before I get up, I always say, thank you, God, for allowing me to wake up and not come to you. You know, I heard the voice say, okay, come on. <laughs> and, and I came. And the, the worship that I heard, the words that I've heard, I'm asking God to please let me come into you and, and give you my life today. Mm. Nine years ago today, I was in a horrific car accident. Wow. 
And, uh, and I was, as the car was rolling over, I was saying, Jesus, Jesus. I was crying out, Jesus. And my friend that was with me did pass away. She flew out the window and she passed away. Wow. So today I'm asking my Lord, help me be more of you. Wow. Help me more in, in giving myself to him. And um, tomorrow I'll be celebrating nine years clean. Wow. I've been clean ever since that. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Thank let's, just, let's just pray for you. Lord, um, I'm thinking perhaps this image you gave me of a person that had been like in a trauma of a car accident was more than just for physical, but for the whole soul. And so right now we bless Marty with healing from the trauma of nine years ago today. I pray that you do more healing of that trauma so that her entire being, body, soul, and spirit, would be at peace and would experience the release and the joy of the presence of God. And we pray together that she would have her prayer answered, that she would be in you, and you and her. More than ever, she'd be walking as a daughter of the King Jesus, filled with your spirit in your kingdom, living a fruitful life. Bless our sister in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Marty. Watch your step here. There's no way. So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you rest. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.